Okay. Good morning and welcome to a new episode of the Stream of Random Podcast. This will be episode 44. <clears throat> it's just me again. Um, and if anyone is wanting to come on to the podcast, please let me know. But uh, why would you want to come on my podcast when everybody can have their own podcast in 10 minutes with Anchor.fm or whatever? Uh, <clears throat> podcasting is so inflationary now, you don't really need anything at all to get started. Just a cell phone. <clears throat> so, and I do have one or two listeners. One listener always, and thank you again, my favorite listener, my friend, like Mr. Robot. I don't know who you are. Could just be my employer spying on me. And then um, <clears throat> some other people, when I share the links, I get some views. So, uh, so we've got two topics today, and I just did a short podcast on them, but I just wanted to review them with you guys. The one is uh, Matters Most. So Matters Most is an open source AGPL um, Slack replacement, and it has a it has a, um, a front end that is in Mozilla, and they're talking about uh, the linking exception and how like you cannot uh, modify it without written permission. So I just came up with some jujitsu before on how to get rid of that, but here's the simplest one. Anything that's like Apache or MIT licensed, you can just roll that into your AGPL or GPL license code so that you can relicense it just like you can um, incorporate like an AGPL thing into, I mean, not AGPL. You can incorporate some kind of like MIT licensed code into your proprietary code. You can also incorporate an MIT licensed code into your AGPL code. Um, <clears throat> so instead of distributing it separately under a different license, you can just distribute it directly in your package with the AGPL code and call it AGPL. So um, that's the first thing that I came. Uh, that's the second thing I came up with to get around this issue where they're like, "Oh yeah, well you cannot make a derived work. You need to ask permission." Well, actually, you don't. Now let's talk about this linking exception again, as I did in my other podcast recording, but the audio was so bad, I was using a crappy mic, I thought I would redo it. And that cracking sound that you hear, that's me walking through the woods with my dog. I decided to take her for a walk too, one of my dogs, because she's getting kind of pudgy, and she needs to move her butt. So, um, here's, the, here's the overview. So you have some liberally licensed let's say MIT or Apache licensed a code that's built as the front end on top of an AGPL um, core lib. Now they were saying you need a link, an LGPL linker exception, link exception, um, if you wanna link these two together. Okay, so let's break that down. So normally, if you have a library in um, in C, and you want to uh, come on, talk, and you want to link it to an executable. That library is actually physically copied into the executable. Okay, 
And um, if you've got a GPL like libc or something, you cannot link to it, right? Um, and deliver a proprietary or separately licensed piece of code because you're creating a derived work by including that one in the other. Now, some people have gone on to say, like MySQL, yeah, I don't know if it's ever been tested in court, but MySQL is saying that their driver, that their wire protocol, come here, dog, that their wire protocol um, is, uh, you need a link license to, uh, to talk to their database server using, using just their, uh, their protocol. And that creates a link. You need a link exception for that, which I'll have to read up on it, what's the actual state of that. But there's some crazy stuff going on where they take the idea of linking and they stretch it to mean in any way connecting or talking to. So let's break this down. If you have some kind of web service written in Go that has a set of URLs, um, just including the names of those URLs in your code is not necessarily creating a derived work because names are not copyrightable in that respect, that they're just addresses of things. So my original idea was, okay, you take the mattermost um, Go core, which is AGPL, and you replace all of the URLs with your own creative names, creating a derived work. And then, in the admin command, admin package, you would then do the similar replacement. So now there'll be no dependency on the original, um, on the original names from the original version, unless you say it's a translation, and translations are copyrighted under the same. But they gave you the right to create a derived work. You see, so in creating a derived work, you're allowed to create a translation um, of it, and then. Uh, you would distribute them separately, and you cannot distribute them together. And you cannot use all of their names or trademarks. So just like CentOS is like Red Hat Enterprise Linux distribution, you'd have to create your own Mattermost and remove all references to their uh, trademarks and service marks and all that intellectual property. You probably have to replace a bunch of pictures. And then you can create your own distribution. So that's definitely possible. Another thing you could do is you could create Apache rewrite rules and just rename the URLs in the uh, front end that use the back end APIs. And that would be another one. Or you could create some kind of service broker that would dynamically translate it. And um, in the end, all of this doesn't make any sense at all because you really cannot, there's really no case for matters, matter most uh, to do any type of restriction. It's just scaring people. Like, I got a note from a friend who's like, oh, this is scary language. I don't understand it. Yes, it's scary language. If you don't understand it, they're just confusing people. And basically, I would consider all repackaging of uh, Mattermost to be AGPL, and you just follow those rules, and all of the other libraries that are associated with it, or little add-ons that are under liberally licensed code, you just roll them together. AGPL package, and you relicense them, and then you're done. So now let's get on to my other friend um, who talks about 
uh, how Telegram is superior in that it does not require an email. Um, it just requires a phone number, and it can hide your phone number. So we have a system that you can log into, and all you need is a number. And you can go to a different device. Uh, once you've registered on the one phone number, you just have to have that phone available to you, and you can log in on another phone or another device. And it'll just ask you for that code and send you an SMS. So that's like the one-time pass. And I thought about it a long time, and I agree with him that it is a very good system that you do not require a separate identity. So here's my proposal for applying this to all systems. So first, you will need an OTP. You will need the ability to send SMSs, right? Um, <clears throat> we create a third-party system, a generic tool like Gorilla Mail or 10-Minute Mail. Just think of a 10-minute mail system where um, it keeps all mails for 10 minutes unless you pay for more, um, even if it's sent to an address where you're not logged into, because that's key. Like, and basically, it allow you to use OTP to log in. So instead of being completely anonymous, it uses OTP to log in, and that will create your account instantly. It'll just be like Telegram, except it will allow you to generate unlimited amounts of emails for different systems. So you can have a unique email for every system that you want to deal with. And whenever you get emails sent to you, they'll be kept for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or one day or whatever you want to pay for, for storage, like pennies. Um, and then you can log in with OTP. So this will give you a unique private email plus the ability to log in with OTP. Um, now, we might be able to even encrypt the association somehow between the email and the phone number um, so that it's only available for the person who's logged in. We have to look into the cryptography of that. I'm a little bit fuzzy on that, but I have a feeling that we could encrypt it and say only if you're logged in via the phone number and you decrypt the package that contains the emails, um, the associations to the emails. So you would basically, the emails would be stored and um, the emails would be stored independently of the account. How's it going? The emails would be stored independently of the Hey, emails would be stored independently of the account. We would just have some flag on the um, on the email saying, hey, keep these, this email, keep it for so many days. That would be stored in the email, keep it for so many hours. But we wouldn't actually have to say who owns it. And the emails would come in, be collected, and then discarded after a certain amount of time. And only when you log in with your OTP could you go in and collect the individual emails. And that would be stored on your OTP-centric uh, data packet. And that can all be encrypted, decrypted by you using something, I don't know, I guess the third party or uh, law enforcement or the admins. Anyway, just some thoughts. But I think that could be a, simply, a simple system to throw together that would allow you to have generic identity management without an email in the future. Um, yeah, and then we could go on to 
do things like password stores and you know crypto wallets ability to uh, update your um, the ability to update your uh, phones, add new phones to it, or print out like one-time tokens for logging in. There's a Shibboleth system, which is like an open source identity and access provider that can be brought in. I mean, there's a lot of things that can be done there to provide more services, and I think people might even want to use them. Now, I'm not starting a new project right now because I already have my existing projects, but this could be something that could be implemented later on, on top of the platforms I've been proposing. And obviously, if there is such a thing as Freeton, which allows you to provide like an Amazon Web Services alternative for execution, then we could also target that as a platform. So we could use blockchain-type backends for execution as well. Just some ideas. We need to look at the architecture. But uh, yeah. So those are the two topics I just wanted to share with you guys, and I hope you have a great day. Bye. Okay. Good morning, and welcome to a new episode of the Stream of Random Podcasts. This will be episode 44. <laughs> it's just me again. Um, and if anyone is wanting to come on to the podcast, please let me know. But uh, why would you want to come on my podcast when everybody can have their own podcast in 10 minutes with Anchor.fm or whatever? Like, <clears throat> podcasting is so inflationary now, you don't really need anything at all to get started. Just a cell phone. <clears throat> so, and I do have one or two listeners. One listener always, and thank you again, my favorite listener, my friend, like Mr. Robot. I don't know who you are. Could just be my employer spying on me. And then um, <clears throat> some other people, when I share the links, I get some views. So, uh, so we've got two topics today, and I just did short podcast on them, but I just wanted to review them with you guys. The one is uh, Matters Most. So Matters Most is an open source AGPL um, Slack replacement, and it has a it has a, um, a front end that is in Mozilla, and they're talking about uh, the linking exception and how like you cannot uh, modify it without written permission. So I just came up with some jujitsu before on how to get rid of that, but here's the simplest one: guys. anything that's like Apache or MIT licensed. You can just roll that into your AGPL or GPL license code so that you can relicense it just like you can um, incorporate like an AGPL thing into, I mean, not an AGPL. You can incorporate some kind of like MIT licensed code into your proprietary code. You can also incorporate an MIT licensed code into your AGPL code. Um, <clears throat> So instead of distributing it separately under a different license, you can just distribute it directly in your package with the AGPL code and call it AGPL. So um, that's the first thing that I came, uh, that's the second thing I came up with to get around this issue where they're like, oh yeah, well you cannot make a derived work. You need to ask permission. Well, actually you don't. 
Now, let's talk about this linking exception again, as I did on my other podcast recording, but the audio was so bad, I was using a crappy mic, I thought I would redo it. And that cracking sound that you hear, that's me walking through the woods with my dog. I decided to take her for a walk too, one of my dogs, because she's getting kind of pudgy, and she needs to move her butt. So, um, here's the here's the overview. So you have some liberally licensed, let's say MIT or Apache licensed uh, code that's built as the front end on top of an AGPL um, core lib. Now they were saying you need a link, an LGPL linker exception, link exception, um, if you want to link these two together. Okay, so let's break that down. So normally, if you have a library in um, in C, and you want to uh, come on, talk, and you want to link it to an executable, that library is actually physically copied into the executable. Okay, and um, if you've got a GPL like libc or something, you cannot link to it. Right, um, and deliver a proprietary or separately licensed piece of code because you're creating a derived work by including that one and the other. Now, some people have gone on to say, like MySQL. Yeah, I don't know if it's ever been tested in court, but MySQL is saying that their driver, that their wire protocol, me dog that their wire protocol um, is, uh, you need a link license to, uh, to talk to their database server using, using just their, uh, their protocol. And that creates a link, you need a link exception for that, which I'll have to read up on what's the actual state of that. But there's some crazy stuff going on where they take the idea of linking and they stretch it to mean in any way connecting or talking to. So let's break this down. If you have some kind of web service written in Go and has a set of URLs, um, just including the names of those URLs in your code is not necessarily creating a derived work because names are not copyrightable in that respect, that they're just addresses of things. So my original idea was, okay, you take the mattermost um, Go Core, which is AGPL, and you replace all of the URLs with your own creative names, creating a derived work. And then, in the admin command, admin package, you would then do the similar replacement. So now there will be no dependency on the original, um, on the original names from the original version, unless you say it's a translation, and translations are copyrighted or the same. But they gave you the right to create a derived work, you see. So in creating a derived work, you're allowed to create a translation um, of it. And then uh, you would distribute them separately, and you cannot distribute them together. And you cannot use all of their names or trademarks. So just like CentOS is like Red Hat Enterprise Linux distribution, you have to create your own, Mattermost, and remove all references to their uh, trademarks and 
service marks and all that intellectual property. You probably have to replace a bunch of pictures. And then you can create your own distribution. So that's definitely possible. Another thing you could do is you could create Apache rewrite rules and just rename the URLs in the uh, front end that use the back end APIs. And that would be another one. Or you could create some kind of service broker that would dynamically translate it. And um, in the end, all of this doesn't make any sense at all because you really cannot, there's really no case for matters, Mattermost uh, to, to do any type of restriction. It's just scaring people. Like I got a note from a friend who's like, oh, this is scary language. I don't understand it. Yes, it's scary language. If you don't understand it, they're just confusing people. And basically, I would consider all repackaging of uh, Mattermost to be AGPL, and you just follow those rules, and all of the other libraries that are associated with it, or little add-ons that are under liberally licensed code, you just roll them together into the AGPL package, and you re-license them, and then you're done. So now let's get on to my other friend, um, who talks about uh, how Telegram is superior in that it does not require an email. Um, it just requires a phone number, and it can hide your phone number. So we have a system that you can log into, and all you need is a number. And you can go to a different device. Uh, once you've registered in the one phone number, you just have to have that phone available to you, and you can log in on another phone or another device. And it'll just ask you for that code and send you an SMS. So that's like the one-time pass. And I thought about it a long time, and I agree with him that it is a very good system that you do not require a separate identity. So here's my proposal for applying this to all systems. So first, you will need an OTP. You will need the ability to send SMSs, right? Um, <clears throat> we create a third-party system, a generic tool, like Gorilla Mail or 10-Minute Mail. Just think of a 10-Minute Mail system where um, it keeps all mails for 10 minutes, unless you pay for more, um, even if it's sent to an address where you're not logged into, because that's key. Like, and basically, it'll allow you to use OTP to log in. So instead of being completely anonymous, it uses OTP to log in, and that will create your account instantly. It'll just be like Telegram, except it will allow you to generate unlimited amounts of emails for different systems. So you can have a unique email for every system that you want to deal with. And whenever you get emails sent to you, they'll be kept for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or one day or whatever you want to pay for for storage, like pennies. Um, and then you can log in with OTP. So this will give you a unique private email plus the ability to log in with OTP. Um, now, we might be able to even encrypt the association somehow between the email and the phone number um, so that it's only available for the person who's logged in. We have to look into the cryptography of that. I'm a little bit fuzzy on that, but I have a feeling that we could encrypt it and say only if you're logged in by the phone number 
and you decrypt the package that contains the emails, um, the associations to the emails. So you would basically, the emails would be stored and um, the emails would be stored independently of the account. How's it going? The emails would be stored independently of the hey. Emails would be stored independently of the account. We would just have some flag on the um, on the email saying, "Hey, keep these this email. Keep it for so many days. That would be stored in the email. We'll keep it for so many hours. But we wouldn't actually have to say who owns it. And the emails would come in, be collected, and then discarded after a certain amount of time. And only when you log in with your OTP could you go in and collect the individual emails, and that would be stored on your OTP-centric uh, data packet. And that can all be encrypted, decrypted by you using something, I don't know, I guess the third party or uh, law enforcement or the admins. Anyway, just some thoughts. But I think that could be a, simply, a simple system to throw together that would allow you to have generic identity management without an email in the future. Um, yeah, and then we could go on to do things like password stores and, you know, crypto wallets, ability to uh, update your, um, the ability to update your uh, phones, add new phones to it, or print out like one-time tokens for logging in. There's a shibboleth system, which is like an open source identity and access provider be brought in. I mean, there's a lot of things that can be done there to provide more services, and I think people might even want to use them. Now, I'm not starting a new project right now because I already have my existing projects, but this could be something that could be implemented later on on top of the platforms I've been proposing. And obviously, if there is such a thing as Freeton, which allows you to provide like an Amazon Web Services alternative for execution, and we could also target that as a platform. So we could use blockchain type backends for execution as well. Just some ideas, we need to look at the architecture. But uh, yeah, so those are the two topics I just wanted to share with you guys and I hope you have a great day.